Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. I'm Matt Stagner back here with my guy, Ron Cobb Jr. We're going to talk a little Chiefs. Chiefs are now sitting five and one after a victory over the Denver Broncos this week. How are you feeling about Kansas City's chances? Yeah, I'm glad to see you back in the mix, Stags. We missed you last week. Caleb filled in for you. Uh, shout out, Caleb. Always does a great job with me on the AP Film Room. Um, he's a he's a film nerd like I, so shout out, Caleb. But uh, glad glad you're back, Stags, and uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm almost as excited to uh, get down in this podcast as that Chargers fan last night on the Monday night broadcast. I don't know if yes. anyone out there was watching the game, but. Uh, that was that was hilarious. I could not stop laughing at, at that. The the most passionate Chargers fan I think on on planet Earth. Stags. I don't I don't think you you could you could find another Chargers fan with that much energy towards your team. You you could have stopped with. I don't think you could find another Chargers fan. So that's uh, <laughs> that's a, that's, a team, cheat. that's a low hanging fruit right there. You, that is that you is the you, uh, you do hear a lot of a lot of teams talk about how it still feels like a home game when you go out there. So. Uh, until further notice, uh, we can make fun of Chargers fans. Honestly, I'm, the more I think about it, it, it could have been a fake fan, right? Like, it definitely could have been a paid actress because they, I mean, she was right <laughs> front row. I mean, she was rocking that brand new jersey. Um, and I don't know, I, I still that, that's a lot of a lot of excitement for for a chart for the Chargers. I don't know, Stag. That is there any do you agree with me on that? I don't know. Is, it's it's possible, man. That's LA, you know. that. The Chiefs right. get real celebrities. The Chargers get have to hire fake ones. So. They had robot fans like <laughs> like two weeks, three weeks ago, like for a movie or something. So yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm I'm flipping. That was a, that wasn't even a real person. So <laughs> well, the the Chiefs are getting settled into the season. I'm settled into my new office here. Uh, so yes, sir. looking all professional ish. Um, glad to have you all joining us today. Lots to talk about, of course, with the Chiefs. But again. Sitting at five and one, tied for the NFL's best record, uh, nineteen to eight over the Broncos. Maybe feels like it was. It should have been forty to eight, uh, but but many people probably feel like it's it was it was nine to eight given given the response from fans. Um, you know the the Eagles and the 49ers both had losses this week, so best record in the NFL. Why does it not feel like it? <laughs> I know I. I even I, I write the gamer for for the the games each week, which is just kind of like the recap of the game. And I always have like a little tagline at the end, you know, final score. And I kind of put Chiefs struggle through nineteen eight win. 
And, you know, I kind of regretted maybe using those words because they didn't necessarily struggle, right? They kicked Denver's butt. But once they got to the red zone, it just, it, 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 not finishing is just not something that, that this offense, we're used to with this offense. You know, they've had one of the best red zone offenses, you know, in, in, in a few years. And obviously just having Mahomes, you expect them to, to finish those drives. And so in this specific game, that was really what it was. It was, it was frustrating, but, but it is kind of funny stags We're, we're I, I have a, I almost have like a negative tone sometimes when like, you know, I have a, a random person on, you know, at work ask me about the chiefs. I'm like, you know, yeah, they're, you know, a, a good record, but I hope the pass game and, you know, I, I almost get to that before I'm like, yeah, the defense is kicking bud and you know, the run games, you know, doing what they need. It is kind of funny. Like it, we're just so we're, I, you know, I mean, maybe it's just me, but very, very critical of a team that has the best record in the NFL and honestly could have the best resume. Obviously we don't, you know, who, does that really matter? Obviously not. But if you look at kind no, of the one BCS rankings here. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it, there's no fiesta bowl that they need to qualify for, but, uh, but if you look at, you know, the, the best loss among the one loss teams, really, I mean, barely losing to Detroit, who looks like maybe the best team, you know, one of the best teams in the NFC. I mean, you could argue they look better than the Eagles right now. Um, the Niners, obviously, I think you got to give them their credit, but I mean, barely losing to them without Kelsey or Jones. I mean, I don't know. I, I I think maybe this this year might just be kind of a defensive year in the NFL. Like it might just kind of be one of those years where, you know, a defense kind of reigns supreme and scoring's down. Um, I actually have a stat here from Nate Tice of the Athletic. He he said it was the lowest. It's been the lowest red zone touchdown rate league wide since 2011 in 12 years. Um, that's 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 how kind of maybe the the offense. It, it's kind of just league wide how offenses maybe aren't aren't finishing. And, and the Chiefs are one of those. Um, but it may, you may have to just give credit to the defense tags, which the Chiefs have one of those good defenses this year. That's That's been fun to watch this defense coming together. But, yeah, on offense, I think this last week, it really felt like they were toying with the Broncos. Like they, they were trying out some stuff, yeah. maybe just to get it on film, maybe just to, to, to make sure that teams have to prepare for more uh, weirdness coming from the Chiefs play calling in the future. It never felt like this game was in doubt, and I wonder if the coaching staff felt that way and used it as an opportunity just to just to try some stuff out. Yeah, I mean you're not you're not wrong. I mean we had the reverse pass that Tony, you know, Clyde almost fumbled to Tony, and then Tony threw up to Jarek McKinnon in double coverage, and then we had the the fake field goal that turned into a, a tush push from two yards out on fourth and two. My gosh, um, yeah, I, I think there's some legitimacy there, and and you know, hey. You can argue that that's the best team to play play around with right now. I mean that 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 team you know is, is heading in the wrong direction. And even with with all these struggles we're talking about, I mean it you know the the Broncos offense didn't give give much push. So uh, so yeah, I mean I, it was a weird it was a weird game, but but definitely not a game we we need to overreact too much to. For sure, but yeah, I think we'll get to a lot of your questions about the wide receivers. Uh, we'll we'll review a little bit as we usually do the Insta breakdown and the winners and losers. I think there was a, I had a hard time finding losers from this game for, for the chiefs when I was writing winners, losers, I, I had a lot more that I could have featured in the winners column. And we'll talk about that. And just as a quick reminder, we do come to you on a weekly basis. We're looking for questions and, and things that we can discuss for you. We want this to be partially your show, of course. Uh, so make sure you submit those questions on Twitter. You can also email them to the AP out of structure at gmail.com email address and Ron will pick those up for us. I uh, will answer questions just to, just to have something fun to talk about. So don't be shy about putting your questions out there. 
But let's get right into your instant breakdown, Ron. What did you see this week other than what we've talked about so far? Well, I think the most obvious thing or the, the, the biggest thing to talk about on the positive side for the offense is, is Rasheed Rice continuing to emerge. He had his, his career high in receiving yards uh, on, on Thursday, got the 72 on four catches, and he had his longest gain of his career too. He had that 28-yard catch and run late in the game, kind of helped them seal the deal. Um, and that was a nice play. And and there's been there was a couple of them in the game where, you know, Mahomes is is hitting him in between zone defenders across the field. He's not really doing that with any other receiver besides Travis Kelsey. And and that play specifically, the 28 yard catch and run, he did kind of have to squeeze it between uh, you know two players. And and Rice just did a really good job of catching it and and darting upfield and kind of avoiding the uh, the the defenders tackles. Uh, it was it was a good play. And and it's a, a reason he needs to continue to play more and more. We'll get into more of that. Um, but you, you also got a shout out to Isaiah Pacheco. I know he was one of your winners. Um, man, he just continues to look like just better and better in all aspects of the running back position. I think last year he was such a straight ahead, you know, downhill runner, and it really worked when the team needed it. And and it and it and they, the team got the most out of those. But you're seeing him be more patient now, kind of get the most out of plays more often, um, and maybe not, you know, try, uh, you know, maybe not overdo plays or, or go for the extra, just kind of get the most of them. Um, and you're also seeing him do really well in the, the pass game, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's catching passes and, and doing well in the screen game, kind of waiting for his blocks, as well as just being a good check down player, you know, kind of getting up field, making the most of each check down. So I, I, I got to give it to those two guys. They were kind of my, the highlights of the offense, in my opinion. Uh, and I think they were both in your winners. I, I, I got to believe. Yeah. I, I've been talking about how there, there really should be the cornerstones of this offense going forward, other than Mahomes and Kelsey, of course. I'd love to see the Chiefs continue to build around these two guys. They're both young players, still have upside to go. But when the offense runs through them or, or they're very involved in it, it's more explosive. It's it's fun to watch. It's uh, physical. Both of these guys can, can put the shoulder down and, and run through somebody if they need to. Uh, so I, I like how it's evolving. And we had hoped with this mass of wide receivers the Chiefs have had this year that somebody would emerge. We didn't know that it would be Rice this early on. I think the team really hoped it was Kadarius Toney. That hasn't really happened so far this season. But I think it's a very good thing that it's Rice so far. And, and, uh, and again, with Pacheco as well, uh, that's something you can build on for the long term around this team. Cheap, young talent that are physical uh, players that can make plays you know, after the catch or after contact. This is really uh, – a a great sign and a great building block for this team. And, and maybe they're starting to find a, an identity that they maybe haven't weren't sure about before this. Right. Cause they're giving Pacheco more snaps. Like it's not much of a rotation uh, as much anymore. It, it doesn't seem like, I think over these last few games, we've seen Pacheco really be a lead back and, and that's what Andy wants. Uh, you know, I think, I think we've he, he'd gotten away from it over the years because he hasn't had that guy to be able to step in and do it. Um, maybe since, you know, I mean, you know, you're talking 2018 Kareem hunt kind of thing. I mean, you know, Pacheco just just may be the guy where they can trust him, and he's finally taking, you know, close to 60%, 70% of the snaps at running back when you really don't see that uh, a lot of times with Chiefs offense. It's usually more like 55, uh, maybe 60. So I got to tee up for the linebacker group, though, Stag, because, you know, you are a, a, a big Nick Bolton fan. We're all big Drew Tranquil fans. I mean, I'm a big Nick Bolton fan, too. Didn't mean to phrase it like that, but we, we love we love both those linebackers, and it's kind of weird that, that they're going to have to, you know, kind of pick and choose when to play each, but it's a good problem to have right now. It looks like so much hand wringing this off season, so much concern about 
You know, they signed Drew Tranquil, and now what does that mean for Nick Bolden? What does that mean for Willie Gay Jr.? Who's going to lose snaps? How are they going to continue this, this room? And all of a sudden, the Chiefs just have four linebackers that can all make plays, and it is so fun to watch. It's so exciting to see that Drew Tranquil is still making plays even with Nick Bolton back in the lineup. Nick Bolton comes back, immediately gets an interception. Willie Gay Jr. has a tackle for, or, or a pass broken up, right? And a, uh, I think – Leo Chanel had a, a really spectacular tackle for loss. All of these guys are playing well. They all have a little bit different skill set, but if you've got four linebackers that can all make plays and all can all be dependable, and you can rotate them and keep them fresh, I mean, this is uh, this is going to be a strength of this team this year, and, and it hasn't been maybe so so much in the past. Right. And it's it's kind of funny. I mean, you look across the league, you know, the linebacker position is one of those that doesn't get respected as much in terms of, you know, investing it. You know, a lot of times, you know, I think rightfully so. When you look at every other position, it, you know, you have to have, you know, you need to be good at. It is kind of lower on the totem pole, but the Chiefs are kind of zagging to an extent where they have it as a strength. I mean, it truly is a strength of their defense. And, and again, like you're mentioning, it's the rotation that makes it a strength because, you know, as good as Nick Bolton was last year, he's one of the league leaders tacklers, you know, he, he had to play a hundred percent of the snaps and, you know, at some point you're going to get fatigued. You're, you're human. I mean, it's football and that's kind of the, the, kind of the key here is that there shouldn't really be any reason any of them are fatigued at any point. Uh, you know, they should all be fresh, uh, you know, and obviously, you know, game depending on the game, you know, it's going to happen, but they all should be fresh, you know, tranquil and, and Bolton can, can kind of rotate and keep each other fresh. Even if it's like within the drive, you know, Hey, Bolton's maybe in on, on first and second down, then tranquil comes in on third down or it's drive by drive where Bolton's in on one drive and then tranquil's in on the next drive. Although, you know, I think they, I think they want Bolton on the field as much as possible. So maybe it's tranquil and Bolton on the field at the same time and gay gets rest and, and you know, gay and Chanel rotate. And it's, there's a lot of different things they can do. Um, and depend on the the matchup too, right? Like if there's a team that's going to th be throwing a lot more, you're probably going to see more Tranquil. But if there's a team, and Tranquil's been good both phases of the game, but there, if there's a team running the ball more and you're going to be in your base personnel a lot, you may not see Tranquil as much, and it may be more of a Bolton, Gay, and Chanel game. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things that can be flexible, and it's one of the reasons why their defense is is performing so well. Yeah, you can see a good defense without great linebackers, but to the truly elite defenses – have great linebackers. So it's it yeah. may be one of those sure. things that helps take this team from, from hey, a defense that could maybe be passable to all of a sudden being a top defense. And, and it really does solidify what's been a weakness in the past. And, and uh, yeah, it gives you something to build on. So uh, great development out of the linebacker room and, and really promising to see how they're, they're able to mix in the veterans uh, and the young players there. One thing we never talk about this year is the kicker. After all, for good reason. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that struggled in, in previous years. That had that injury last season, was missing uh, extra points. Uh, you know, and, and people were really upset and wanted him replaced. People looked at his contract this offseason and wondered if they could save some cash against the cap and and, and get rid of him. But all of a sudden, Harrison Butker is, you know, knock on wood perfect for the season so far i know and and i noted that he's only one of five kickers and, and actually i didn't even notice individual kickers this is just the chiefs are one of five teams that haven't missed a field goal or an extra point this year and so shout out butker he's been nails and not only has he been nail stags that 60 yard field goal that might have been good from 70 
that was an incredible kick. I, the way yeah. it, when it hit the net, I couldn't believe it. I it, it was it was shocking when how how hard it hit the net. Um, and you know, I know it was a windy day, so I think he he may have gotten some aid there. But I mean, man, shout out Butker. He is he's been nails. He had a 52 yarder later in the game too that kind of made it a two score game. Uh, finally put him out of reach. So he definitely deserves his flowers for sure. Yeah, I heard that he had made some tweaks in the offseason. Like, he, he changed a little bit about his technique, um, and, and they felt good about where he was. Obviously, getting healthy makes a big difference for him and, and not dealing with that that turf in Arizona, uh, again, hopefully anytime soon. True. But, good point. But they're going to need, you know, they're going to need a kicker down the, down the stretch. There's going to be some close games. This is a team that's not necessarily blowing everybody out yet. And, and so – to have a completely, you know, worry-free kicking experience right now is is uh, uh, is nice. I mean, I'll put it out there: Justin Tucker hasn't had that good of a year this year. Let's let's get Bucker an All-Pro. Let's get Buck. Let's get Bucker uh, some some recognition because he has been one of the league's better kickers, in my opinion, over the last you know half decade or so. Um, you know, I, I and you know just with his range and his clutch. I mean, how many? I mean, he doesn't really. You know, he does really well in the clutch situation. So, I'd, shout out Bucker. Let's let's get him a an, an accolade this year. Um, You're telling with, me the Chiefs are going to have an All Pro kicker and All Pro punter um, to go along with tight end. Yeah, I forgot about Tommy. He, defensive he line. I mean, this is <laughs> this is good problem to have. Yes, sir. Yeah, but I, I before we move on to the uh, out of the Insta breakdown, just with the red zone woes again. You know, and and this can lead into actually our next topic. You know, it just feels like, you know, it, it's so easy for it was so easy for them to get into the red zone. Right. Because the run game was working. You know, the Broncos are playing a lot of zone and and Kelsey and Rice were kind of tearing it up to an extent. But as soon as they get into the red zone and, and, and it tightens up, you know, and, and defenses kind of don't have as much ground to cover. Right. And you have to maybe trust more tight windows. And, you know, we saw Mahomes kind of not trust those tight windows at times, actually on his interception. Um, I, I kind of highlighted on Twitter, but. You know, he had two places to go with the ball, not necessarily the, you know, they, they weren't necessarily the most open windows. And, and I noted Denver did a good job of closing those windows. But, you know, at some point, you know, that's better than that's better than a sack. And you got to trust your receiver to come to, to go get the ball. I mean, one was Kelsey um, and, and he has trusted him, obviously, to do that. Kelsey was pretty tightly covered. But all that to say, you know, that interception was more of, I think, him being desperate to not go, you know, uh, get out in the red zone again. It was the second time down there. They 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 failed the first time getting down there. He has his ankle wrapped up and he's trying to still make a play. He might have been trying to throw it away and the ball got tipped a little bit. It was hard to tell, um, but I think he was maybe trying to still make a play um, on that one interception. I don't know. So I, I think that was more just you know Mahomes being annoyed with them not getting touchdowns in the red zone and trying to make a play. And I'm, I'm I, I don't think we need to. We need to worry too much about it, but we'll talk about the receivers because I think it's a big, big point of it. I don't know. What do you, what did you think about the overall red zone offense? Yeah, you know, it, it was frustrating. Again, this is the difference between this being a blowout and it, and it being a uh, what was it, eleven point win. I mean, this is a it's still a two two score lead, you know, and, and it's something that they they had throughout the game. They were really never in position to to really worry about it. But yeah, you'd like to see him convert on some of this stuff. That fake field goal, you know, I love fake kicks, but it seemed like it was telegraphed. It seems like they were ready for it. And to run, you know, that, that uh, uh, what would you call it? The 
brotherly shove, tush push. <laughs> there you go. The, yeah, can you call it that in Kansas City? We need to yeah. come up with a Chiefs yeah. name for that because, but they don't they don't do it enough to where they're they're good at it, obviously. And to do it from two yards out on a fake field goal without your ideal personnel in there probably um, was an odd decision for sure. Yeah, wasn't a big fan of that. Um, but again, you know, one of the reasons why they weren't getting stuff done maybe in the red zone was you know this receiver room is just kind of given. You know, Mahomes, maybe some hesitation, some uncomfortability. We've seen it all season. He's They're trying to figure it out. I wrote for the site this week about, you know, there's there's a way they need to shake this up a little bit. And they're kind of forced to because they kind of buried the lead here a little bit with, with one of the key injuries in this game. Justin Watson goes down on a target, you know, yeah. should have caught the pass. It, it was a great it was a great ball, great throw. Um, didn't didn't catch it and then dislocated his elbow on the way down. Mm-hmm. He'll be out a few weeks at least. Um he has not gone on IR, but uh, I know Pete is speculating that he may go on IR at some point, um, depending on. But, you know, it may not be as bad as they think either. So maybe it won't be an IR situation where he needs to miss at least four weeks. But that's going to force them kind of to shake up the receiver room a little bit. Um, and and so we'll go to Thomas Ramirez's question at T-E-R-O-3 on Twitter. At, always asking good questions. Appreciate you, Thomas. Uh, do you think with Watson out, this is a good excuse to finally give Ross and Rice more snaps? And so my answer to that is, first of all, Rice is getting more snaps. And 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 I, I do think naturally this could lead to Rice getting even more. Although, you know, they it's not like uh, Rice is a direct replacement for what Watson does for this offense. But Ross, it is an interesting point, Stags, here, is, is that... He is kind of maybe not the same type of player as Watson, but he can fill a similar type of role as in terms of getting downfield, being a downfield weapon, maybe not necessarily getting separation downfield and winning with speed like Justin Watson does, but maybe someone Mahomes can say, all right, nothing's working. I'm just going to throw it up to this guy on the sideline like we saw against the Vikings and and let him get a 20-yard catch over a dude. I don't know. Do you think that's a, a, a reasonable uh, solution to kind of maybe Watson going down or, or how do you what 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 do you like about the receiver room? Maybe if, if they don't have Watson here for a few weeks, people have been down on Justin Watson, right? Nobody wanted him to make the roster. It was one of those contracts that that had some scratch in their heads. But, yeah, he's definitely on pace for a career best year, averaging twenty one point nine yards a catch, which is uh, pretty phenomenal. And, you know, the Chiefs have, for all of their their strengths, have not been amazing at throwing the ball down way down the field, right? They they get some yardage, but uh, they haven't had a lot of the the deep pass success. MVS has been very inefficient. I think you know, in theory, MVS is the guy they would want to to do that because that's what he does. That's that's his essentially his only strength in the in the receiver room is being the deep threat whether it's a decoy whether it's running you know defenses off or, or actually going out and, and catching a pass but yeah not necessarily the most contested catch guy I'm not holding my breath for it to be Ross you know I think everybody wants that to happen but I'm not I'm not convinced yet that they're gonna they're gonna give him automatically just give him a bunch more volume because Watson is out I think it's probably MVS and Rasheed Rice that, that continue to benefit from, uh, you know, from the from the targets and the snap share. I, I don't know what to do about Sky Moore. I think we'll talk more about him in a minute. But I I think the most likely scenario is that you see some more shots to MVS, which you know 
could be good, could be could be bad. It feels like it's low. Uh, it's a low percentage whenever they throw deep to him. And and you know, Bros underscore Kingdom on Twitter asked, would Andy even cut down on MVS's snaps? He's he's wondering about the AFC Championship game hype. So if you'll remember, MVS had a monster game filling in for a bunch of injured wide receivers in the AFC Championship game. And, you know, they're wondering if, you know, does that somehow taint how they see MVS this season? I don't think it does. He's still getting a lot of snaps. I just think maybe they'll, they'll start giving him more targets now. So I think he's more likely to get more rather than less. Yeah, no, you're right. Because MVS is a snap leader. He has been all year. He is getting plenty of snaps and he's running those deep routes or maybe not all the time running the deep routes, but because this is kind of the thing I've noticed maybe, especially over the the last three or four games is that when they're running, their kind of deep vertical concepts where Watson and MBS are both on the field. It seems like a lot of the times MBS is the one maybe running more of the shallower or kind of just, you know, non, it's not actually going to be a route to throw to on third and 15 or third and 12. And Justin Watson is running the the deep shot where, and they may be taking advantage of the fact that teams would think MVS is more of the the primary vertical threat, and Justin Watson is the second is the secondary threat. But I almost honestly look at it as Mahomes, you know, kind of maybe being in the coaching room or maybe went in the game plan and saying, "Look, I'd rather throw to Watson down the field instead of MBS, and that's why he's getting those primary opportunities down the field. That's why you keep seeing Watson be the guy on the receiving end when Mahomes is throwing down the field. It's and and so I am a little worried that it, you know that the MB that's because maybe he hasn't had that same connection with MBS. We've seen it right last year. It was all it was the entire year. They they kind of would just be either too, he would throw too far for MBS on the vertical or too short. Right, he'd have to stop for it. This year, we haven't really seen it necessarily, you know, get on a better page, but it hasn't been bad either. So maybe they just need more opportunity. And so, yeah, I, I think I think MBS is definitely going to get, you know, is going to have to be the guy filling in for Watson in terms of like the the being the primary deep threat now. But there, there, there does have to be two maybe guys going down the field a lot of times from those outside positions while the slot players work intermediate, intermediate and short. And yeah, I just think Ross could be one of those guys, but it could be also a sky more thing, you know, maybe they give sky more, more opportunities to be more of a, a downfield receiver, even if he's not the fastest dude, even if he's not, um, you know, uh, you know, necessarily the game breaking speed, you know, take the top off like, like MBS is, but neither is Justin Ross. And obviously Ross has a contested catch ability. Maybe, uh, more doesn't, but more can run his routes. And, and he had a, and, and I highlighted on Twitter, the last drive of the game against the Broncos, he had a very nice, uh, you know, route uh, deep out where he he kind of set up the corner inside and made a nice wiggle, wiggle out. You know, created separation. Mahomes got him the ball. It was a first down. It was a big play. You know, maybe we just need to see more of that with Sky. And instead of trying to give him these opportunities where he's the slot receiver and you get him the ball, you know, in in the flat and you expect him to like make a guy miss and like you know that's not really what he does. Like I thought maybe it could be what he does, but you know we've seen him do it at times, but. You know, guys like Rice and Tony are just so much better in space, you know, trying to make guys miss and making the most out of those kind of plays. I think Sky is more he's just more he's just not the most creative guy after the catch. And and he's maybe more creative before the catch. And maybe they need to kind of play into that more instead of just making him the jet sweep guy and the quick screen guy, because I feel like he's not maximizing those plays while 
Rice and Tony are. And I, and we keep talking about Rice. Rice is doing everything well. So it's hard that you can't say, hey, you need to have Rice do this. You need to have Rice do this, do this. You know, that's why I keep mentioning Tony. I think Tony's main role needs to still be those quick screens, jet sweeps. But at the same time, I don't know. I, I get why they're using Sky there because he he can he has had those successful jet sweeps this year. But I don't know, Stack. Sky's Sky is just a polarizing player right now, and a guy that you know, I, I to me, it's like the coaching staff needs to help him out a little more. But he also needs to take advantage of his opportunities. Uh, so, so what do you feel about Sky, kind of in that perspective? Yeah, it's been a really frustrating year for him, and, and I'm sure he's frustrated as much as fans are about it, but. You know, the, the efficiency is not there. The, you know, like you said, the run after catch has been, you know, hit and miss at best. I, I think, is it just that Sky and Rice are both best at, at slants? Should they just be running slants all the time <laughs> with these guys? Like, or, or like a, a little out route or, or something that, that allows them to, to create some separation at the, at the top of the route, make a catch and, and move the chains. It just doesn't seem like, as you said, maybe the the coaches are putting them all in the right positions to do exactly what they do best. I think there's, I don't want to give up on Sky more. I think he's somebody that right. that could still be useful, but you know we're starting to get into pretty concerning territory after you know a year and a half of NFL snaps, pretty substantial snaps, not a, not a ton of of uh, production. So I think there's the concerns are valid at this point. Well, no, and it's and it's a good point you bring up about like the slants, right? It's like, well, that that is kind of where Rice and, and Sky look the best. I mean, you see Rice this last game against Denver; they run that RPO slant. You know, Mahomes throws it to him over the middle, and he just charges downfield. He gets ahead of steam, and he and he makes twenty plus yards. You know that that that's you know that is where Rice said his best. Sky is also very good at releasing off the line and 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 getting you know downhill. You know, once he gets the catch, right, and and so he can be in an extent used that way. And here's another part of this whole problem is that Mahomes, he doesn't look as comfortable to me throwing across the middle right now, except if it's Travis Kelsey. And maybe that's something that we've we've maybe, you know, I this is kind of maybe a, a grander take than I want to make it. But have we maybe not seen, you know, Mahomes maybe have to target over the middle of the field to players not named Travis Kelsey? Um, it, it, maybe it's something he's not as comfortable with and, and maybe something we didn't realize as much um, because, you know, they don't run a lot of slants in their offense, just general, it, you know, they, they do, they, they don't run a lot of, you know, maybe over the middle stuff to their receivers where it's, where it's quick hitting. A lot of it is, is to the sideline. That's quick hitting, you know, their intermediate stuff over the middle is, is usually a little, you know, deeper developing, you know, when the off, you know, five, seven step drops, you know, not necessarily, you know, getting the ball, uh, you know, quickly to guys running over the middle, because I, you know, I, I just think, there might be something too, you know, uh, Mahomes, maybe not, especially with, with the receivers this year, not feeling as comfortable, um, throwing, you know, between, you know, tight windows and all that. So, you know, I, I think that's the part, maybe some of the problem is that some of the ways that this, these receivers need to be used right now, Mahomes is being hesitant throwing to there. you know, there's plenty of times this year, guys, that sky is breaking open over the middle on kind of that, that quick out or quick in, excuse me, kind of at seven to 10 yard in, and Mahomes is, is in the pocket and looks like he has a window to throw to him, but just kind of hesitates and moves off of it. You know, and it's not just Sky. It's, I've seen MVS in those same situations. And so that's almost where it becomes more of a Mahomes thing where, yes, you can blame the receivers for not giving him reasons to trust them more. But at some point he needs to just trust them, you know, kind of, you know, kind of have that short memory. Right. And so 
I think there is something to that too. I, I, I definitely think there's something to that too, that the, the Mahomes and the coaching staff both need to help by kind of, you know, being better at giving these guys the, the, the ball in the best places for them to get the ball. So that's a long winded way to say it's not just on the receivers. And yeah. I think a lot of people understand that right now. Yeah. You get them the ball in rhythm on time, you know, on those, some of those quick hitting plays, let them make some little, let them get some run ahead of steam going. Right. And, and, and that makes, yeah, that makes a big difference. I'll, I'll know, say uh, real quick, Rice with a head of steam. I tweeted it uh, during the game. He actually looks like a legitimate Mustang. Like he looks like a horse, like <laughs> out in the open field. Like there, he, the is, he is galloping, dude. He is, uh, he is an impressive athlete in space. Yeah. And, and again, I feel like there's places for all these receivers. And, and the next question here, you know, from the dude uh, is, is Ross a secret weapon that Andy doesn't want anyone to have tape on? Will they just unleash him after the bye week? I mean, maybe. Uh, you saw it. Was it last week when he he had the big downfield uh, pass where he went up and got it? And you're like, that yeah. is, in one play, that's what you want from Justin Ross. Like, that is, that is the element that he brings that I don't know that anybody else on the team at this point uh, brings. And that is what they should be using him for down the field, back shoulder, go up and get it type plays. And, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster did some of that for him last year. Um, that's not what I would do with Sky Moore ever. Um, you know, he's not a contested catch, go up and get it, you know, lay out full extension sort of receiver. You, ha- I think you have to get Sky Moore the ball in stride on a quick hitter, you know, it can be it can be a complex route, but you have to get it to him while while he's moving. Um, Ross can 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 be the guy that they use to go up and get it. So is he holding him back? I don't know. Maybe they're just not quite there with him yet. Uh, you can hear it in some of the coaches' comments. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. he's doing a good job. He's learning a lot. He's getting better every week. You know, it's all coach speak. But at some point, you hope that they sort of take the next step with him. Uh, maybe it's after the bye week. Maybe it's just something that he has to be eased into the offense. But as you see receivers finding their role, you see, as I mentioned, this team finding its identity. Uh, maybe your featured guy is Rasheed Rice after Travis Kelsey. Uh, and then they just have very specific routes and roles for the rest of these yeah. guys. Yeah. And hey, Ross could probably help in the red zone. I mean, we just saw them go one for five. I think one thing they're missing this year that maybe they had in years past is is a Jody Fortson type, you know, receiver, uh, pass catcher that can line up outside and 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 go up and get it, or or you know, line up in close and catch it over the middle. Not that um, they've ever really had Jody Fortson for any extended period of time. <laughs> yeah, no, hey, he had the strong, he had the strong run last year, so got to got to give him credit for getting the full year last year. Uh, but at the same time, I think in the Minnesota game, yeah, we did see. There was a they did have a red zone play where they isolated Ross on one side, tried to throw him a slant. He kind of dropped it. It was kind you know, it was kind of a tightly covered play as it was. But you know, yeah. So I think to answer the question, I think we are kind of seeing it. They're seeing they're you're kind of seeing them try to find ways to use him. I mean, 10 snaps last week was the most snaps he's played besides the blowout win over the Bears. So, you know, he's getting more and more involved. Um, but I think this Watson injury is like to our earlier talking point, I, I just feel like it might actually, you know, give him more opportunity just as an outside receiver having to eat snaps. Cause I think 
a lot of what Watson, MBS, and Ross do as perimeter receivers is just run deep routes, you know, even when they're kind of not even supposed to be thought about being targeted, right? Like a lot of that time is just, you know, we're blocking on run plays, right? You know, they're going to rely on Ross to do that because Watson was a decent blocker. So he's going to get more snaps naturally, but it, it, it will be interesting if his usage um, goes up and and it just may with, with Watson injured. Yeah, he'll definitely have to do all the little things as well. And maybe that's what they're waiting on is, is I, I haven't noticed Ross as a blocker yet, but you know, he has a size to do it. I don't know that that's his, been his forte in the past, but, but maybe they're looking for some of that nuance, some of those little pieces of dirty work before he gets a bigger role, uh, and, and that will develop as the season goes on. All right, Sags, I think it's about time. It's about time that we play everyone's favorite game. What Chiefs player am I or what NFL player am I? Um, because this this Chiefs player also played for the Chargers, our upcoming opponent, and that's the game every week. We try to give – I give clues to Stags and he has to guess what player I am referring to. And, you know, what NFL, what Chiefs player am I? Well, I was drafted by the Chiefs in round two during the late 2000s, and I played six years here before leaving in free agency for the Chargers, the only two teams I played for in my career. I made one Pro Bowl in KC my last season when Andy Reid came in but started all six years for that up-and-down defense in that era. And I'll finish with this. I went to a reputable school for NFL DBs, and the Chiefs actually dipped into that talent pool through the draft recently. So the Chiefs have recently drafted a, a defensive back from the school that this player attended. So Interesting. A, lot of, a lot of clues for you there, Stags. I'll have to get your answer on the other side here. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back on the Out of Structure podcast. Thanks for sticking with us again. It's Matt Stagner here with Ron Cop Jr. And he's attempting to stump me once again on the what NFL player am I? So you're talking about somebody who played for both the Chiefs and Chargers. Does that mean that's a previous – he's not a current Charger or Chief? No, no. This, this guy is not in the league anymore. He's he's done. He's gotten his flowers for, for, for what he's done in his career. So, so – I was, you had me until we came back for break. I, as we, as I brought us back in, I did not have an answer for this. Uh, the fact that it was a previous charger and chief, you know, and then as a defensive back, I, I did, I did start to think about our guy, Brandon Flowers. Uh, 
that last that last hint was maybe a little bit <laughs> over the top, but uh, but yeah, I would have actually had it anyway. I, I think and Brandon Flowers uh, uh, is a is a good one here. It's somebody that you almost forget played for the Chargers. Yeah, I'll, I'll honorable mention almost went with Donnie Edwards, almost went with uh, Chris Chambers, and I mm. almost went with Chase Daniel. But I was like, eh, that'd be too easy. I, I don't know what hints I could give you that you wouldn't get, you know. So uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think Brandon Flowers, you know, Vatek, shout out Vatek. Jamari Connor is a Vatek uh, alum or, uh, you know, uh, prospect. So, that's yeah, if you look at the current stuff. Chargers depth chart, though, there's not as many Chiefs connections on the on the current on the current list. Uh, I know uh, there's not. <laughs> so so you had to go back a couple of years for this one. And I'll, I respect that. All right. Let's let's jump into the mailbag questions with a longtime uh, host. First time question asker Ron Cop on Twitter. What do you think about the Chiefs potentially signing Frank Clark? Do you want to answer your own question, Ron, or, or do you want me to start off on this one? You know, I, I'm asking the question, so I want to, I want you to answer this first. Actually. All right. So Frank Clark, you know, as many people have, have heard, was recently released by the Broncos. Yeah. Uh, somebody that uh, Chris Jones lobbied to have come back to Kansas City that most of us thought they would try to figure something out and have him come back. Uh, it didn't work out for cap reasons this, this off season, but there's plenty of love between Clark and the chiefs. It's a very obvious connection to say, Hey, if he's going to sign somewhere for vet minimum or, or whatever, it makes all the sense in the world for that team to be Kansas city. I am perfectly on board with this idea uh, I don't think that it's going to be a huge impact. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, somebody who's going to take snaps away from anybody. But if you, for example, uh, no offense uh, to anyone involved here, but if, for example, if you demoted Malik Herring and, and brought Frank right. Clark in and put him in that spot, would anybody lose any sleep over Malik Herring being on the practice squad and Frank Clark being on the active roster? I've seen some even suggest put Frank Clark on the practice squad. Having be a guy that's in the locker room, that's motivating everybody, that is there if you need him, but not necessarily taking up a roster spot. I mean, any of these outcomes to me are positive. I don't see any downside to any of that. Sure, if they signed him, it immediately made him the starter and benched George Karloftis or or Felix Enaduke Uzama, then, yeah, you'd worry about that a little bit. But I don't see that happening. I think it would be a depth move, a, a rock, uh, a locker room move, and one that would be welcomed by by most. So, so yeah, why not? Yep, we're we're pretty much on the same page there. I I, I definitely like the idea of the practice squad for him, just because you know, first of all, he hasn't played much this year. Um, I don't know exactly. I know he had some. You know, he, he's what do you know? He's had illnesses. I think this year um, that has that have kept him out. But at the same time, you know. <laughs> that's a dumpster fire in Denver. I, you know, Frank's the kind of guy, you know, that that's probably going to play when he wants and not play when he doesn't want to. And uh, that's, that's why you're seeing him a free agent now. So, you know, I I'd love to see him, see him in, in Kansas city. I, you, you, the Malik Herring point is the point to me to make is that Malik Herring is actually playing like a role that I would love to see Frank play in that he's kind of just spelling Karloftis or Dana on, you know, on a drive to drive basis whenever they need uh, a rest and he's not really playing on pass downs ever. He's really only playing on early downs. And I think Malik Herring's a big enough guy where, you know, he's he's holding up against the run 
but I think Frank can do that even if he's not the, the biggest guy. Frank can still do that. I mean, that was one of the things he he was still very good at, just understanding leverage, understanding how to kind of, you know, take away angles from blockers and stuff. And then at the same time, if the if the offense is trying to catch them in their, you know, their 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 base or their sub package, excuse me, on the defensive line and trying to, you know, they've done that plenty this year where where defenses try to take advantage of the Malik Herring and Neil Farrell being in the game you know, because the Chiefs are trying to rest Chris Jones and Carl Loftus on first and second down, then Frank can really, you know, tee off if he wants to. And if he's still got any juice, then that's when he's going to be able to, to show it. And and I would say he probably has more pass rush juice than Malik Herring. Uh, you know, Malik Herring is a guy I was, you know, a, a fan of in training camp, but he is more of just a snap eater, um, more of an inside rusher on pass downs. He's never really going to win ar- around the edge. Frank still, you know, has, you know, that maybe – uh, <laughs> that's the thing. I haven't seen Frank play this year. He may not be, you know, necessarily good at rushing the passer, but I do think he can eat snaps to the Malik Herring extent, like you mentioned. So, and 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 even if they don't want to do that again, there's room on the practice squad. He's more valuable than, you know, I I, I don't have the practice squad in front of me, but there's probably someone they can ditch on the practice squad that that it'd be more valuable to have Frank around for the for the playoff stretch here. So I, I like the idea. And you mentioned the playoff stretch. You're still talking about one of the all-time sack leaders in, in postseason history, somebody that's never going to hit that mark if he stays with Denver because uh, he's just not going <laughs> to see the postseason. So, you know, I can see why he would want out, and I can see why he'd want to join the Chiefs again and have another postseason run. Maybe they find a, a, a spot for him to get a couple more sacks and break that record. Well, hey, and, and the other thing, too, talking about him being a veteran. I mean, what other veteran is there on this defensive line? You talk about Chris Jones, like he's more of your emotional leader. Maybe he is getting more mature, I guess, maybe as a, as a, you know, a, a you know, a, I shouldn't say maybe, you know, a, a soul to soul leader, kind of a, a man to man leader. You know, I think that's where you got from your, from Frank Clark. Right. And, and I think, you know, you could use a little bit of that. You got a lot of youth right now in the defensive line. It, it might be nice to have a little bit of a veteran voice in there for the playoff stretch. You know, a guy like Felix and Udike Ozama getting a little, a few more moves under his belt for the playoff stretch. You know, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a really good idea. I, I really like the idea. The more, the more yeah, I and you, you've got, you know, uh, a rookie pass rusher that hasn't seen the field much yet that could probably use some, some work. Uh, who better to work with him, you know, off on the side than, than Frank Clark at this point? So, Absolutely. yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of reasons why you'd want him back. And again, I can't think of any reason not to. Sure, if he's asking for twelve million dollars a year or something like that, it's <laughs> you know, sure that that's going to be an issue. But otherwise, hey, whatever, go for it. Uh, Jake Wilson, that Jake for now, our guy. True or false? Fans should expect the Chiefs to just figure it out on the fly this season. So in, in, he also says, uh, keeping each season's Super Bowl shot viable, does this rely on unproven players in order to, uh, to, to make it happen? So, right. so there's no like set formula for the Chiefs this year. They're just going to figure it out as they go. Is that true or false? Well, you know, he kind of maybe makes it a little looser of a thing than it is, right? Obviously, the Chiefs aren't just figuring out as, as they go. They are – they're – they're still like the he mentions the cornerbacks last season, the receivers this season. Like they still had that plan to throw a bunch of a, a quantity of players at that at those positions and kind of hope you know something sticks. The cornerbacks last year, obviously, that worked out. We don't know for sure yet if the receiver room you know that completely works out for this year. But you know, I, I think that is a strategy. I don't think that's necessarily figuring it out on the fly. But I get what he's saying, and 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 I think there is 
truth to that. I think there is truth to the fact that, you know, the Chiefs are going to have a deficit in some capacity almost all the time because they have Patrick Mahomes. And, and you know, if they're going to have if they're going to sign Chris Jones, then especially because you're going to have two of the most expensive players in the NFL, um, especially if Chris Jones keeps playing like this. I mean, imagine the, the deal he's going to be able to ask for in the offseason and or, or shoot, maybe they can, you know, get that done this season before uh, before too long. But at the same time, I it's a good point. And I and I do think Chiefs Chiefs fans are going to have to get used to it. The, the interesting thing is kind of predicting what the next one will be is, I mean, is receiver kind of, you know, the one this year, and maybe it's just going to continue to be the one maybe for, you know, until they figure it out. But, you know, is tight end going to be the position, you know, in a few years is, is offensive tackle or, you know, going to be the, you know, left tackle going to be that position, you know, uh, after Donovan Smith. So I think there's always going to be some sort of deficit they kind of have to work through. And I mean, left tackle is kind of it right now. They don't have, they have a, you know, they had to just throw Donovan Smith in there and he's playing well. So that's not a bad thing. Um, but this is an interesting question, Zach, but I do think there's some truth to it for sure. Yeah. There, and I think when you have a young team like this, it's going to be the case a little bit. You have to figure out what you have. It's not that they don't have a plan or that they don't have, you know, talent. It's just a matter of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks for lack of a better way of phrasing it. I think you've got, Wide receiver for sure this year. They're, they've been doing that with. They're targeting ten receivers a week and and hoping somebody stands out. And I think as we talked about before, Rasheed Rice is starting to be that guy that is standing out. So as long as this, uh, uh, as long as they can keep winning while they do it, I don't see a problem with it. But I think it's it's just one of those things that you have a young team and and like you said, a couple of really expensive, high profile players. A whole bunch of guys have to come in. And, and sort out the rest of it. So they have to find their identity. They have to find roles for all these guys. They have to find some some folks who are going to stand out. And that's something that's going to evolve as the season goes along. But that's sort of true every season. Maybe it's just more noticeable this year because it's wide receiver, because that's yeah. a, uh, you know such a big part uh, of what you see on film. Maybe you don't notice, you know, even defensive backs, uh, to get to Thomas Ramirez's question, maybe you don't even notice the defensive backs as much. So last year it was DBs trying to figure it out. Uh, we realized eventually that they were pretty good, but we weren't really sure, you know, who was going to be doing what and, and and how good they could be. This year, uh, to Thomas's question, who's more impressive, Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed or Justin Reed and Brian Cook? The fact that we're even asking this question with all four of these guys listed, to me, is – it's quite the positive for this group so far. It is. It definitely is. I mean, the the the, the correct answer though is absolutely Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed. Oh yeah. Um, oh. and and it's because of them, right? It's because of how how well they're playing. Um, but you know, I I will say to let's start. We can start on the safeties because you know it, it's worth discussing. I think I've talked about it a few times on the pod, but you know, Justin Root is playing the strong safety position very well, where he's filling against the run, coming down and being an aggressive run defender. But also, you know, manning up tight ends on pass downs, and and he doesn't, you know, he hasn't really missed tackles since week one. I think there was one egregious one that stuck out in my head that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth to start the season. But he really hasn't missed tackles since. Um, he he's he's playing that strong safety position very well. Um, so shout out Justin Reed. But Brian Cook to me is is, is in danger of maybe becoming, uh, you know, dropping down to the third safety position. You're seeing Mike Edwards play more and more. And and Mike Edwards is earning it, man. And and you yeah. know I think Brian Cook is just it's a second year. It just may take him some time to to 
read defense to read offenses and and break on stuff like you're seeing Mike Edwards do over the top. And that's what you want from your free safety. We need guys, you know, you want guys that are gonna, you know, you know, you you watch Kirk Cousins make a 20 yard throw downfield. You're like, oh shoot! And then all of a sudden, when you, you see it, the safety's over the top of it, breaking it up. I mean, that's that's what you want. And we've seen it much more from Edwards this year than Cook. And you've heard Spagnolo talk about it um, in recent press conferences that they're giving Edwards more snaps. You know, it's it just it's just natural. Um, and it's nothing yeah. against and nothing against B. Cook. Um, and and I think he could be a great third safety. But I actually kind of want them to just go ahead and, and give Mike Edwards that primary free safety role because I think he's playing that well right now. Yeah, you're right. This is a pretty straightforward question because Trent McDuffie's playing out of his mind. I mean, he, yeah, and, and we can phenomenal. talk about the corners now because yeah, and, they're playing. Insane. And uh, Legarius Need's been very, very good as well, and doing everything that he does, and still being a, a, a really good cover corner. So, yeah, I think there's no question that those two guys are right up there. When I do the the market movers piece that I do on a weekly basis, I'm ranking the Chiefs from top to bottom on this roster. McDuffie and Snead are getting close to the very top of that list. And, and really what you would call elite players at their position in the NFL and, and right up, right up there with, with the best on, on any team has to offer. So I think they've been so impressive that even if uh, Brian Cook was playing, you know, great ball right now, I'd probably still say Trent McDuffie and Legarius Snead for this question. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried about Cook. I think that three man rotation is going to be just fine. Uh, but you're right. You know, Edwards and, and, um, and Reed have been uh, more of the playmakers so far. Yeah, no, I, we, de- I, I definitely, the cornerbacks this year. Um, Cause I, I even think Josh Williams and Jalen Watson are, are, are switching off and playing very well in that third cornerback spot, obviously too, but man, you know, McDuffie's ability to to stick on guys and even if he's outsized like he's just there and so you're gonna have to make a great catch you know if, if you're if you throw at McDuffie but Snead is not even allowing that part to happen most of the time um he is just swallowing up guys it's been awesome to see him kind of use his length and physicality and play with confidence that's that's what you're saying and, and Spags actually talked about it in his press conference last week that the reason they're kind of doing this or the reason they feel comfortable doing this is because Snead is so confident matching up with the number one receiver and, and really, you know, playing physical and press, you know, it's because Snead feels like, and, and I keep making this point, I, you know, anyone follows me, I've probably made it too many times now, but players that have Snead's physicality at cornerback usually do not have his same athleticism. And so that's allowing him to maybe recover and B, you know, if he does lose that, uh, you know, that battle, initial battle at the line of scrimmage, he can recover maybe better than some of these other corners that 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 beat up receivers at the line like this. You know, uh, you know, it comes to mind like Sean Smith was a great press corner back in the day. But if he was beat off the line, man, it was over. <laughs> he wasn't recovering. So uh, Snead's kind of that rare combination of both. And it's it's really he, he, he's doing it at the right time. Sags. He's going to get uh, he's going to get considered quite well in free agency this this offseason i imagine if he keeps us up yeah i mean the question comes up every other week you know will they or should they resign uh sneed should they yes will they tbd um yeah. but let's talk a little bit about this week coming up yeah. uh, the chiefs are coming off a long week so they have that minute the mini buy uh so what is it 10 days they get to they get to prepare for the chargers Chargers just played on Monday night, um, and so they're going to come off a short week, and they have to travel to Kansas City. It's a tall order for the Chargers, who are trailing the Chiefs in the standings. 
you know, the the fact that they're sitting at two and three, the Chiefs are five and one. Um, again, we talked about the Chiefs being at the top of the AFC. The Chargers are not quite contenders at this point, uh, but they're probably going to come in hungry. So it'll be an interesting matchup. What are your initial thoughts about uh, where, you know, the Chargers Monday night game, first of all, and then how they stack up against the Chiefs? Yeah, you know, I, I watching that game last night. It starts off 7-7. First two possessions are both touchdowns. I was like, oh, boy, we are in for an, an overfest, which I did bet the over. So um, I was excited at first and then disappointed when they didn't score like any other points from the majority of the game. Um, but it, it kind of spoke to the Chargers, in my opinion, just kind of looking like the same team they always have been, where, you know, they have talent on defense um, and, and their defense shows up, right? They only, you know, they only allowed 20 points to the Cowboys, but just something about them kind of, you know, at, you know, kind of situationally, you know, giving up things and, and, you know, not, you know, not making the plays when they need to on defense, you know, late in the game, right. You know, the, the Cowboys are able to kind of get down there when they need to and score. And then on offense, man, it's like Herbert makes these ridiculous throws. And it's like, I, I was even sitting there like, Oh man, like, wow. Like, you know, I, you forget, you know, how, just how impressive he can, he can, you know, throw it out there. But yet they only have 17 points in the game and he throws a game ending pick, uh, you know, when he has a chance to drive him down. And we've seen that before from him. I don't know. It, it was just kind of another game where it's like typical chargers and they're coming in here. You know, I, I do kind of wish they would have pulled that out. I, I you know, I, I think they, they come in here less desperate, like you mentioned, but, but they are desperate, man. And they've lost Mike Williams to, to injury, uh, you know, a few years, a few weeks ago. So it's really only Keenan Allen and, and a bunch of other guys. Quentin Johnson, their rookie receiver, has not stepped up. He has not looked, you know, uh, to the point, uh, up to task yet. Um, but maybe they get him going against the Chiefs or try to. But, yeah, man, it's, 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 an, it's an offense that's like, looks explosive, looks fun, like has like, a, you know, it's, it's like a, you know, a sports car. And then they just doesn't go as fast as you think it does, you know, <laughs> in terms of it, it doesn't put up as many points or put up as many yards as you think it does. The Charger's going to charge her. Maybe if, to use your analogy, maybe it's a it's a Tesla, and they they forget to charge it sometimes, right? So <laughs> yeah. and, Honestly, uh, yeah. And they, mean, you know, it, it is. Uh, it's got to be frustrating to be that one Chargers fan that exists that we talked about earlier, <laughs> because this team, you know, preseason all stars every every year, right? They're they're loaded in in so many different ways, and and just find ways to to not succeed. Um, what do you see from their defense uh, as far as the, how they can match up against the Chiefs this week? So they do have some some pass rushers that that is always it's always worth noting and and kind of maybe taking you know worry of to an extent because you know they still have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, but shout out my draft nerds their third rusher is also coming on very strong rookie Tuli Tua Pelotu who I was, uh, and, and many were on the AP staff, big fans of going into the draft. Um, shout out Rocky. He was he had him higher than any of us, I think. And he's playing like it, man. He is a guy that that flies off the edge. He's a big dude, but moves super well. Um, and so they have a, a trio of edge rushers that's going to give, you know, Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith fits. Um, and so that's definitely worth, you know, pointing out. You know, they're definitely going to have to have chip help, you know, especially for Donovan Smith. Um, and they're definitely going to have to be wary of that on pass downs, especially because I, you know, I haven't looked too deep into them yet, but I imagine they have packages where all three are on the, the field at the same time to a Pelotu, maybe rushing from the inside or maybe even Khalil Mack or Bosa. And that's a lot to mm -hmm. handle. Um, that's, those are, you yeah. know, all, 
Khalil Mack had like six sacks a couple weeks ago. I mean, he's playing well right now. Literally, I mean, yeah. I was yeah. about to make that point is that this is somebody who used to be just a game wrecker, and then you didn't hear much about him. And then all of a sudden he breaks out, you know, two weeks ago uh, against uh, – it was, it was against the Raiders, yeah. The beloved <laughs> Raiders um, had, had six sacks. That was, uh, that was an insane game for him. They, they had no answers for him. You would think that the Chiefs are going to be able to, to scheme up some things, give some help. Patrick Mahomes is better than anybody probably at this point in the NFL at eluding a rush and, and not taking unnecessary sacks for the most part. I know he took one this last week, but in general, um, he, he's pretty good at that. So they'll find ways. But, yeah, the, those guys can hurt you. Mac Bosa, uh, you know, for, for sure have been that combination over the last couple of years. And Derwin James – still being that dude that gives the Chiefs fits, yes. has you know, finds ways to make plays all over the field. Last time these two teams played, I thought there was three Derwin James on the on the defense at a time. Like <laughs> he was showing up everywhere. And and Travis Kelsey surely hasn't forgotten being body slammed by him near the goal line. So this is a this is a defense again. When healthy, they're they're absolutely loaded. Uh, it seems like they might be a little bit more um susceptible in the secondary um yeah. but but they certainly have the pass rush yeah and you know stats wise they they are one of the league's worst defenses they give up 5.8 yards per play this year which is the third big highest rate in the NFL um they don't they haven't forced many turnovers this year um yeah it's 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 definitely something where you know they're not you know necessarily you know, stats wise, you know, they, they've been put on, they've been, you know, the dolphins, you know, went crazy on them, which I guess they're going crazy on everybody, but you know, they're definitely a defense that can be exploited, but in these AFC West games and these games where Staley has gone against Andy Reed over and over, you know, it's, I would, I would bet on this maybe being more of a, you know, kind of a slug it out kind of game than a, than a high scoring affair. Absolutely. Anything can happen in AFC West games, especially chiefs chargers always comes down to the line, uh, right at, right at the, uh, the wire, I think whoever has the ball last is you know usually ends up winning these games. The Chiefs have yeah. had some walk-offs against the Chargers in recent seasons. So uh, certainly going to be one to tune into this week. Continue tuning in to the Out of Structure podcast and all of the Arrowhead Pride podcast network. Uh, we'll have you covered from beginning to end. Plenty of good content on ArrowheadPride.com. Make sure you check out Ron's analysis of the wide receiver room, especially – I think everyone is going to find that uh, useful and, and good check-in to see where they are at this point in the season. So thank you for spending some time with us today. Look forward to talking to you again next week as the Chiefs hopefully um, earn that 6-1 and one record and stay on top of the AFC. But for Ron Cobb Jr., Matt Sagner, thanks again. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.